You're listening to the Restoration Church Podcast. Join us each week for messages designed to equip, inspire, and deep calling to deep. Today's message is brought to you by Lead Pastor Bob Foreman. So this morning I want to challenge you. Um, What do you see when you look in the mirror? Hmm? Hmm? What, do you, what do you see when you look in the mirror? Do you see somebody walking in their salvation? Hmm? Do you see somebody that struggles in the world? Do you see somebody that's obedient to God? Do you, or you, do you just see a person just walking everyday life, just walking out living on this earth? And I know God doesn't promise it to be easy, but he equips us with everything we need to do and everything we need to battle on, in this earth. But what is it, I want to challenge you, what is it that you see in yourself this morning? Hmm? Do you re- see the reflection of just distant relatives or do you see the reflection of God? So I want to challenge you this morning. So I'm going to be reading this morning. Let's talk about it, okay? We're going to be reading this morning on Genesis 1. 26, and I know we've all read this, but I want to read it again. I want you to get in your spirit today this message that I'm given of who you are and what you are called to be, okay? And it says this. It said, And God said, Let us make man in our image. He said, And after our likeness. He says, Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the fowl of the air, and over the cattle, and over all the earth. And over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. We are made in his image. So I did a study on it and I'm looking. What is the definition of image? It means to have a visual representation of something. Okay? It also means imagination. uh, Have an imaginary or whatever, that when we have our imagination and it takes off and it goes and we imagine something, what do we do? We visualize it, right? We, we have a picture in our brain. It's kind of like uh, a painter in a portrait. When a painter comes and he paints a picture and he puts it on that canvas, he says that our image, our image is of God. So what he does is he puts what he sees in his head and he puts it on that canvas. And he paints a picture because he visualizes it, okay? So if we are an image of God, then we must, when we look in the mirror, we visualize ourselves as the image of God. And it said, and our likeness, okay? The definition of likeness, it means this. It means the quality or the copy or the state of being. So, it says, our, well, what's that our? It's the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, okay? We are a visualization of what God should be. We have a state of being because we are the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. We are that likeness. That is us, right? Okay. It doesn't mean that God didn't mean that he came down in man form, okay? That, that he's, you know, that, that actually takes a form of a man. But what it is saying, it is saying rather we should walk in God's morals, we should walk in his spiritual and his nature, 
and we should walk in his intellect. Because we are the image. If we believe the word of God says what the word of God is, then we should believe that we're in the image of God. And that we should walk in his nature. We should walk in his intellect. We should be equipped to be able to handle anything that we have on earth that we need to battle. Whether it be sickness, health, prosperity, whatever it is. Because we are the image of God. You know, this is a... This is a vast subject. My wife tells me that. And you know, you can do many, many messages on the vision or on the image of God, and you can go all kinds of different places, but I only want to hit two places today, okay, in the image of God. I want to hit the authority that we have in the image of God, and I want to hit the significance. Why are you significant? Because you are in the image of God. So let's go with authority first. So we're going to go back to Genesis 1, and we're going to read 27 through 31, because this is going to tell the the authority that we have. Okay, so I'm going to read it. So in 27, it says, So God created man in his own image, which is said before on 26, and the image of God created him, male and female created he them. Now listen, and God blessed them, and God said unto them, be fruitful, multiply, he says, replenish the earth and subdue it. Subdue the earth. I want you to remember that word, okay? And have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the fowl of the air, and over every living thing that moveth upon the earth. And God said, Behold, I have given you every herb bearing seed which is upon the face of all the earth and of every tree in which it is the fruit. Of the tree yielding seed. To you it shall be for meat, and every beast of the earth, and to every fowl of the air, and to everything that creepeth upon the earth, wherein there is life. I have given every green herb for meat, and it was so. And God saw that everything that he had made, and behold, it was very good, and it was the evening and the morning of the sixth day. See, there's our authority. He says it in the Word of God. He says that we have, would have dominion over everything. So let's talk about Adam and Eve, okay? Let's talk about where they were. This is, a, this is Bob speaking, okay? I know in the Bible, in the Word of God, it says that they walked. They walked, or not, they walked, or they talked with God. They didn't walk with Him, but they talked to God, okay? But here's what I believe. The original plan that God had about being in his image is this, is that when Adam and Eve, you notice this scripture right here in 126, it talks about, he says that's what we should be. We are in the image of God and we are in his likeness. But over here, uh, over in 16, which that verse was before man was created, but that was God's original intention is to make us in his image and make him in in his likeness. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, right? So I believe this, and listen to me. I believe that when Adam and Eve, when they walked in the garden, I believe, and you can go with me here, maybe you can't, maybe it's just Bob, but you can go with me here, and I believe they walked in supernatural, okay? I believe they walked in such a place of holiness. I think they walked in a place that, that, you know, he talks about, uh, you know, Adam talking to God. I believe it wasn't like you and I talk. I believe that he was so 
omnipresent in Adam's and Eve's life that they were just like a glow. They didn't even know they were naked. They didn't even know anything about it. And they walked and they talked with them and they, they were part of his life. And I believe that they could walk upon the earth in the Garden of Eden. And I, I believe they could speak to the grass and the grass would grow. I believe they could speak to the fruit and the fruit would grow. And I believe they could speak to every animal and named every animal. And I think they just walked in a super, supernatural presence of God. You know, that is, that's, that's what I'm telling you, okay? And they were so holy. And this glory that came on Adam and Eve was so holy. And as the glory came from God to them, it was so holy in such a presence that they just supernaturally walked in everything they did. Everything they did. You know, in 2 Corinthians 4, it talks about that Jesus... It talks about the glory of God is seen upon the face of Jesus. That's the only time other than Adam and Eve since the fall that you see the glory of God falling on man. You could see, actually see Jesus and look at Jesus and see that he was the representation. He was the perfect image of God because he just glowed. The glory of God was upon Jesus. So I wanted to tell you that, but that's what I believe Adam and Eve was. The glory of God fell upon Adam and Eve in such a way that it was just a glorious walk. So then what happened? Genesis 2, 15 through 17. And the Lord took man and put him in the Garden of Eden to dress it and to keep it. And it says, And the Lord commanded man, saying, Of every tree of the garden they must freely eat. But of the tree of knowledge of good and evil thou shalt not eat of, for in that day thou eatest and thou shalt surely die. And the Lord said, It is not good that man should be alone, and I will make him a helpmate. And out of the ground he formed every beast of the field and every fowl of the air, and brought them unto Adam to see what he would call them. Whatsoever Adam, every living creature, there was a name thereof. So we lost our authority. That authority was lost. So this perfect setting, this place in the Garden of Eden was a perfect place where you could walk in holiness. You could walk in the glory of God. This is how God intended man to be when he created man. And as they walked into that place and they walked in that, what happened is they didn't obey God's authority. They did not. So what happened? They closed the garden up. So Adam and Eve, they went out into the real world. They could see like you and me. They could feel like you and me. They could get sick like you and me. They felt all the emotions of the world. And that glory and that presence of God that they had in the Garden of Eve was no more. They became common men. Man and woman. They became common in the world. They could feel everything. And it wasn't a good feeling for them. Because they had the glory of God in the Garden of Eden. Because they are the image of God. They are created in His likeness just like you and me are. Because that's what the Word says. So as they went out into the real world, because of disobedience, because of the authority, and they, they, they uh, disobeyed the authority, they could no longer walk and talk with God like they used to in the Garden of Eden. Matter of fact, what does it say when, when uh, in 126 it says that they had dominion over everything? Well, what happened? All the beasts took over 
the whole society. There was more beasts, more animals, more things in the world than intended to be because we were supposed to have dominion over it. But what happened? Because of Adam and Eve, their disobedience to God's authority, what happened? Just the opposite happened. What happened was is that the beast took over. So Nimrod, we know the story, Nimrod built fortresses. He built walls up because there were so many more beasts than there was human beings. And they had to protect themselves because the beasts were devouring their crops, devouring mankind, and it just destroyed everything. So they had to come and just the opposite happened. It says, from that time on, man could not talk, walk, or be anything with God like he used to be in the Garden of Eden. Matter of fact, man couldn't see God or talk with God like Adam and Eve did. So what happened? Moses, he saw him in the burning bush. Joshua, he saw him in the promised land. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they saw him in the furnace. Okay. Now, I don't know if they talked to him. I mean, Moses talked to him, but he, we could no longer visual, visualize or see God like the way Adam and Eve saw it because of the disobedience and authority, okay? Let's go to Romans 13, 1 through 7, and it says this. Listen, this is authority that I'm talking about, okay? It says, let every soul be in subjection to a higher power. For there is no power but of God. And the power that be, it is ordained of God. So every power or every uh, every power or everything in authority in this world is established from God. Okay? He created, he established from his throne room, it, his authority was established. He had to put authority on the earth. Okay? He had to put some type of rule upon the earth. Okay? Every physical law, natural law, and spiritual law was established under God's throne, okay, that he had, and it's for us to live by. Why did he do this? Because he knew that man had to have free will. And once we got that free will came in, and Adam and Eve lost it, and they got kicked out of the garden, God knew that there had to be consequences for our consequences, and for our conscience sake, he knew that we had to have some type of rule in our life because if we didn't have that rule in our life, there would be total chaos. And that original design that he had for the Garden uh, of Eden where we could walk on this earth and walk and talk. Can you imagine what life would have been like? What would have just stayed like that? Man, we would have marveled and got nothing on us. You know, we would have had these superpowers, right? And we would have dominion over everything. And they're, right? But he knew man had to have free will. When Adam and Eve chose to make that decision to eat that tree that they were told not to eat of, that's when man's free will kicked in. Okay? So, he knew there would have to be consequences for our free rule, I mean, for our free will. He knew that there had to be some type of rule in our life. Because otherwise we would just be wild. We would go wild. You know, we would, there would be chaos everywhere. So that's why we have to be subject to the power of God underneath His authority. In the Bible, the, the, the greatest demand that the Bible tells us to do is that we be obedient to what God tells us to do. 
That is the greatest demand in the Bible. That we be obedient. Why should we be obedient? Because it says that we are the image of God. And we are are in His likeness. The Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And so that's why we need to be obedient to God. Okay. Let me tell you somebody. Let me tell you a story where somebody was not obedient. Okay. So you take the story of Saul. Right. What did God tell Saul about the Amalekites? Amalekites, thank you. (laughs) What did God tell about the Amalekites? Destroy them. What did he say? Hey, why don't you go ahead and save some of their garments, take some of their women, why don't you take some of their animals and stuff? No, he didn't do that, did he? What did he do? He saved Agag. Agag? Agag? Agag. They saved Agag. And he saved the best sheep and ox and stuff like that. What did he do? Did he disobey? Then on top of that, not only did he disobey what God told him to do with the Amalekites, but he also thought he could, he could sacrifice them, right? Hey, why not just sacrifice them, you know? Samuel's not here. Let me do it. And so what did Samuel? I want you to get this point across that obedience is better than sacrifice. That is what Samuel said to Saul. Obedience is better than sacrifice. You know, when we um, we need we need to be obedient, even if we don't understand it. You know, we like to reason everything out. Well, God, you know, I, I kind of think you told me to do this, or you kind of told me to go do this. Or maybe you told me to go over to somebody's house and pray for them. We like to reason things out, right? But we need to be obedient to God. We need to be attuned because we are in His image. We are in His likeness. We need to be tuned to what it is that He would want us to do. Simply because of what? Because we're in His image, right? So when we make enemies with people, okay? When bad things happen to us, listen, we like to reason it out, right? When we're dealing with a death, a lot of we have some widows in here. When we're dealing with sickness, maybe a loss of job, maybe you got some financial problems, and you know you're crying out to God, and you're crying out to God, and you're saying, God, just Lord, just help me and help me and help me. But you find that there is no help. I mean, have you ever thought that? I have. There's been times I've cried out to God, and I just didn't think He answered my prayer. You know, but maybe, just maybe. This is what God wants you to do. He wants to know if you're going to be obedient. Maybe the things that, that, have, that have happened, and not that they're not going to get answered because we have faith, but he wants to see if you are obedient to what he tells you to do, whether you understand it or not. Because if we're going to walk in the image of God and we're going to be in his likeness, we need to understand that we need to be obedient to him because we are the visualization of our Father, and we are the likeness of our Father, so we have a state of being in Him, and of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. I know we like to see results. I know that if I pray for somebody, I want to see them healed. I know that if, uh, say, even the death of my father, you know, I, I went through a grieving process, just like we all, that's natural to go through that grieving process. But I call upon God, I want Him to comfort me, Okay. All those things we want because as human beings, 
is we want to see results when we pray. Because what does that do? That builds our faith. But sometimes if we don't always see results, I want you to remember that God wants us to be obedient to his authority. He wants us to be obedient to his will. I want to talk about in the Garden of Gethsemane. You know, sometimes this is, has, we have a misconception about in the Garden of Gethsemane. You know, when Jesus was there and he was on his knees and his disciples were asleep and he was about the time for him to go to the cross, you know, and he was crying out to God. He said, if it be thy will, let that cup, let that cup pass from me. You know, and a lot of people think that tear, of, that we always have this portrait of him crying you know, and we think, well, you know, he's sad. He's, you know, he, he doesn't know if he can bear it. You know, he's, he's got apprehension about him going to the cross. But that's not actually what happened. What actually really happened in the Garden of Gethsemane, that he had to find out from his father what, because he understood his father's authority. Jesus understood that he was in the likeness of his father and that his, he's felt his father's glory in the face of Jesus Christ. Second Corinthians 4, again, he, the glory of the father is in his face and he understood, but he was okay with everything. See, the crying wasn't about him going to the cross. The crying that Jesus had in the Garden of Gethsemane is that he wasn't sure what the father's will was for him. That's what it was, okay? And so that tear coming down, but once he found out that it was his father's plan and purpose for him to go to the cross and his father's authority. He was okay. He got up and said, okay, let's go. He knew that his father told him, and he wasn't sure before because he had human form. And he had some of the traits of being human. So he wasn't sure whether it was his father's will or not. But then he was okay with it, wasn't he? And he was okay. When you... Uh, the principle of when you service, when acts of service, is the will of God. It's the very foundation. It's the principle of God's authority. When you do something out there for somebody, you see somebody that needs a tire change, or you see somebody that needs this done, or somebody needs some food, or somebody needs a ride. That is the very principle of which God's authority is established on, acts of service. You got to know this also that because we are the image of God and because we are in his likeness that how we treat people, how we act towards people. I don't know, you know, I, I don't always act right towards people, you know. I'll see somebody in the grocery store and they'll take my parking place, you've heard me tell that story. Or somebody cuts in front of me in front of a line. You know, I don't always treat people right. You know, do, do any of us treat people right? But do you know that the way we treat people and the way we act and we honor them is how we value God. If I'm rude, crude, and angry to you, got an attitude with you, do you know that displays to that person the, your, your image of God and the likeness of God? You're not displaying God. You're not, you're not you know, you, you, you value that person. And if you are the image of God, that shows you how you value that person. 
when you're mean and crude to them, okay? Because we are the image of God, and when we're not in a Christ-like manner, and we treat people, and we value people, and if we do value people because we're the image of God, we are not in the image of God, but we are also in the image of somebody else, right? Yeah, we're in the flesh. Here's a good thing I want to tell you. After telling you to by walking in the Spirit, we're the image of God. The good thing is this, is that we have the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank God for the Holy Spirit, okay? It lives in us. It helps us to freely face moral decisions. It guides us with the right image. Thank God for that. Because when we're cruel and we're mean and we're angry at people and we get upset, and I do, I've got road rage, okay? I'll, I'll be the first to admit it, and that's from driving truck. I've got road rage, and I'll, 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 even if I think it, well, sometimes I don't think it, but so, sometimes I do more than just think it. I verbalize it, but, but you know, I, I just got this thing believing that, you know, uh, all the schooling I went through about driving an 18-wheeler and driving a truck, you know, I think everybody should think like I think, right? And there's people in a car that shouldn't even be driving a car. And I'm thinking, like, what are they doing, you know? And then, Why didn't they go to school like me and not learned all the rules of the road? And you'd be more of a defensive driver, and that's just the way I think. So, anyhow, so, but the Holy Spirit makes us make right choices in our life, right? He gives us that right image that we should be. I want you to know that we have the same emotions that, that God has because we're created in His likeness and in His image, okay? I want you to also know that God's authority, God's authority is an absolute authority. What does that mean? What does absolute mean? It means it doesn't change. It's separate from any other authority because it's the highest authority. It's absolute. You can't change it. There's no... There's no change in it. It isn't a lower authority. It isn't a mid-grade authority. It is the ultimate, absolute authority. And then you live your life by that absolute authority that Jesus or that our Father has for you, then you're going to be walking in the image of God, okay? That God's authority is absolute. His physical laws, all the physical laws that you see in the world, are maintained by His authority. Are you getting this? <laughs> okay. So that's the authority that we have. That's what we should walk in every day. Because we are in the image of God. And I think oftentimes we don't understand authority. Because you know, that's, that's, that's the hardest thing for mankind. Is to walk in authority. Because you... Once you, once you understand that it's established from his throne room, you'll be able once, you know, it, that means if you go to work and you disagree with your boss, but you need to know that your boss is established under God. Okay? That is an absolute established authority under God. Just like parents are the absolute authority for the children under God. Absolute for everything in the world is under God. And once we understand that, we can better function in the world, and we can better work in the world, and we better mingle in the world. And even if sometimes we don't want, because our, nat our natural reason is we don't want to submit to authority. Why is that? 
because we have the fall, but we do have the Holy Spirit in us now, so we should uh, submit to the authority, right? We should be submissive to all of that. So let's talk about significance, okay? And I think this is important because a lot of people don't think they're significant in who God is. So we touched on authority. I've tried to tell you and explain to you about what authority is and how it constitutes our life's actions. Now let's talk about significance because if you don't know your significance in the image of God, how can you obey that authority? You cannot. You know? You've got to know that you are significant and God has a purpose and a plan for you and you've got to know who you are and you've got to know where you're going and you've got to know what God's got for you and then you can be submissive to that authority. But not until you know what your significance is. And listen to this. I looked this up. Significance means this, that it is our responsibility to recognize and understand rationally and the ability to create an abstract concept from the natural world. In other words, it gives us the capacity, because we know we're significant, we're in God's image, it gives us capacity to say, to lean on Him, because we are the image of God, so we can create a peaceful world within ourselves. Walking, in other words, walking by the Spirit. Okay, It gives us that capacity, right? It gives us the the ability to be prosperous. It gives us the ability and capability because we can uh, take concepts in the natural world and we can rationalize, we think rationally, and we can cause prosperity. We can have purpose. We can speak it over communities. We can speak it over nations. We can create a world walking by the Spirit simply because we know the authority which we walk in. And we know we are significant to that authority. And so we can make these things happen for us, right? We've got to do everything. We've got to think about everything being in accordance with God's will. Do you know that we are the highest created being in the world? Being in the world now. We think, we can create, we can rationalize, okay? We can act, and we're supposed to have dominion over all the earth. Because we are the image of God. Our motives and everything that we do for God, it should be in accordance to God's will. Everything we do. His motives should be our motives. That's why you heard Jesus say, you know, I don't do anything that I don't, my, my father don't tell me to do. So our motives should be underneath God's will and underneath his authority. Okay? So let's talk about timing. You know, I felt by the Spirit, God talked to me about timing. And I want to use the story of Esther. You know, Esther is pretty well much everybody says it's the love story. You know, because he went to, she went to King Edgar's. He's got the favor and all that kind of stuff. But her timing was significant in who she was, just like your timing is, okay? She went in. She got the favor of the king, okay? You got Haman, which was an Amalekite, and he tried to kill Mordecai, all this stuff. All of it was revealed. She was placed there. Esther was placed there at the perfect time and place. And I want you to get this, okay? Just like you are. You are here. You're sitting here. You're, you are the father of Holly. 
You, uh, Jerry, you're here because it is everything God's timing. God's all about timing. He has certain, certain things that happen to you. Your timing is everything. And he's never wrong. He's always on time. He's never late, even if we don't understand it, just like Esther. She thought she went there and she fell in love with Xerxes. She, she really did. And he loved her. And it was because God placed her there in that time, in that position, is that she could come and what was going to be the destruction of her people, it turned around and Haman ended up dying. So, same thing for us. Our timing is everything. You are here now today at this particular time in 2022 because God ordained it. And you're here for a plan and a purpose, okay? You're here to build the kingdom. You're here to be an example, to walk in God's ways, to fulfill everything that you need to fulfill in your life. And you need to walk in that way, okay? We are significant because, again, I guess I'm going to say, going past my notes, that there is a plan and purpose for your life. There's also a timing for your life, even if we don't understand. So God has that plan and he has that purpose for you, okay? So here it is. There's two things I want you to listen to. And it's through this, that God's own self, actualization through man's kind. What does that mean? It means that God loved us so much that what he intended for Adam and Eve when they were in that supernatural glory state, that state of holiness, he loved mankind that he made. He said, what? This is good. This is good that I made man. And what he intended in the Garden of Eden is they could walk and talk in that supernatural glory. And, you know, that, it was, that's what he intended. But what happened? So the fall came. So what he did is what? So he had, we have the actualization, which means God can be real. He wants to sup with us. He wants to be part of us. He wants to uh, love us in a certain way. Number two in that is that he wants to love us. He wants to care for us. Because he, he noticed that when he made man, when he made man, he fell in love. He said, man, I did something good. I made man and I made a woman. And man, this is good. Then the fall, the fall come. And after that came, then what happens is God said, now what am I going to do? I, had to, I, had to, I wanted to walk. Boy, I wanted to talk with Keith. Man, I wanted to see him face to face, and I wanted to be all he could be. And man, I'm just going to love Keith. But what happened? Then the fall came, and then he said, I'm going to have to come up with another plan. So what was that plan? Jesus. That's right. Jesus was that plan. Right? Because after all, he said we are his image. We are in the likeness of. So he had to be come through us through the actualization that we are in the image of God, and we can walk and we can talk with Him today and we can sup with Him today and He'd be a, pick up, a part of our life. And when we meet people out there that we don't understand that cuts us off or cuts in our line or people that are rude to us, it's good to love the lovable, ain't it? Keith, do you love me? Have I done anything bad to you? Uh, Keith, if I come up to you and I started getting mad at you and just I told you you're no good, you're worth nothing, would you still love me? <laughs> you'd have to work to it yeah yeah okay okay but see but see god when we are the image of god 
That's the way God looks at us. You know, no matter what you do, no matter where we're going, and no matter how you're being treated, it's not always about how somebody treats you. It's about how you treat other people. Why? Because we are the image of God. So, you know, you could say all these bad words to me and stuff like that, but what is my, what is my reaction to that? We are the image of God. What is our reaction to somebody saying something bad to us? It's not good, is it? This is the expression. These things that I tell you, that the self, the, the, the self-actualization is an expression of God. That's what he wanted to do. So the actualization is his self-actualization through us that we can walk in this life and we can be a representation of what God really is. Okay? We should love one another. Ooh, that's a big one, huh? We should, we should love one another. Why? Because we're the image of God. He loves us, doesn't he? He gave his son for us, didn't he? So we should be able to love one another. Our human-centeredness and completeness allows the possibility for self-actualization. We are complete when God, his actualization of his self-actualization is in us. And that we can go forth, okay? Our wholeness comes from that. Our salvation comes from that. Our walk comes from that, okay? It is possible now that we can walk and talk with man because he is in us and we are his image, right? It's our quest for holiness. We walk every day for our quest for holiness in this world, in this life. Otherwise, we'd be stuck in the Garden of Eden, you know, but we're not, okay? But we have the blood of Christ. And it's the Holy Spirit to guide and direct us. Profound significance is the fundamental or foundational concept that we are in the image of God. Understand this, that our basis for dignity and purpose of our life and work and what we are worth, what we are worth is the connection to our Creator. Your worth of what you think you are, what your significance is in God, it's our connection to God. If you don't think you're very significant, if you don't think you're worth a whole lot, if you feel like you don't have much to add, if you don't have much to contribute to the kingdom work, and your significance is low and low self-esteem, that's because... Because we are in the image of God and we are connected to our Creator. And when we have that dignity and purpose and plan in our lives, then we have a better connection with God because we are in His image. I want us to go, and I don't want us to go, I'm going to read it. Uh, even in Genesis 9, God reminds Noah about how important man is, and it says this. Says he tells Noah, he says, For whosoever sheds a man's blood, by man his blood shall be shed. For man was made in the image of God. Even God told Noah how important man was. Now that's pretty 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 good, isn't it? So again, I'm gonna tell you how we treat people. I want you to think about it the next time you get mad at somebody. Say, man should Yeah, yeah, remind me too. Look, 
We see people every day. We see people walking around us every day. We see people, we live in the world with people around us, not just here in the body of Christ, but when you go out these doors, you see people every day. You know, either those people that you see every day, you've got to remember they were also in the image of God. And even though there may be some that you have more money some, or you have more food than some, that you live a different lifestyle than some, okay, they're not up to your standards as far as, uh, you know, their, their ethnics, uh, their, their decision making, all of that. They're still in the image of God. And there is no person, place, or thing, there's no person out there that is obscure to God. They may think differently than you. They may have character flaws. They may have things that are just not right. But to God, those people are in his image. And they're not obscured to him. There's no ordinary people for God to look at. We're all the same in his eyes. Even though we like to categorize people. You know, they're going to live forever. They're going to be under salvation. They're going to be under judgment. Those people that we see out there every day are the people that we're supposed to minister to. Those are the people we're supposed to minister, even though they think differently. So we got to think, because we are in the image of God, we got to think like God thinks. When we go out there and treat people and, and, and pour into people, and, you know, maybe they haven't taken a bath in days. Maybe they need food. Maybe they're homeless. Maybe they don't live in the kind of house we live in. I don't know, but I know that they're image of God. So we should take that into consideration. Again, I'm going to tell you, how we treat people, how we honor people. Outside these walls is how we really, really value God. If you see a, a homeless person beside the road and you go, oh, I don't want, I don't, oh, I don't want to touch them. They're kind of nasty. They haven't had a bath in a while. Is that how you value God? And I don't want to do that because they're different than us. Even though we cannot affirm people's dignity around us, maybe we cannot do that but we know this, that we share, when God said he make us in his image, we share his characteristic. We have the characteristics of God in us. We have knowing the basis of our dignity and worth. It helps us to believe that our gifts and talents. I'm going to tell you this, and this is one of the things that, that just most, mostly bother me, is the idea that if you have self-worth, you know who you are. You know you've got gifts. You know what your plan and your purpose is in the kingdom of God. But you've got to have self-worth. You've got to have, understand who you are. You've got to know that you're significant. You've got to know that you're created in God's image. You've got to know that you're in his likeness and that he's got a plan and a purpose for you. And like Carol uh, Heber says, you've got to have a portion that you've got to give to the kingdom of God. And a lot of people fall short. For the kingdom of God, because they don't they don't know who they are, they don't know what their self worth is. You know, maybe they from childhood they've been abused. Uh, maybe from childhood they their self worth was just taken away from them, and that's all part of the enemy's plan. Because God intended, because we are in His image, because we are in His image. That he has a plan and purpose. He planned for us to know who we are in him. He planned for us to be significant. He plans for us to have the authority and dominion over this earth. That's all his plan for us. And some people just don't not walk that way because they don't know who they are. That some people I've talked to that in church, 
not just in church, but out there. People, people will tell you, and you meet on the street out there. They don't know what they're supposed to do in life. They're just walking out there. You know, they just, they don't know what they're supposed to do. But we all have gifts and we all have talents, each and every one of us. There's not one person greater than another person. And when you know your self-worth, when you know your significance, when you know your, your, what your authority is, you know you can walk in all that God's called you to walk in, and you, as you are significant in Him, then what happens with that is that you can fulfill God's kingdom. You can fill His plan for you in your life. Because we all have a portion Again, I'm going to tell you that how you treat people is the way you value God. When you are angry at somebody and you attack somebody, you attack God. When you're joyous about somebody, you're joyous with God. When, you, when you're judgmental about somebody, because you are the image of God, you become judgmental. So you take on that thing because if we're in his image and we are the visual representation of him and we are the ones in his likeness and we are the state of being who God is and when we do all those things out in the world, if we're judgmental against someone, then if his being is in us and his light and his likeness and we are his visual, then what we're actually doing is getting mad at God. That's the whole thing. If we mock people, how many people's ever mocked people? I have. Okay, what are you doing? If you're an image of God, what are you doing mocking people? Because when you're doing that, you're mocking God. So see, it's your reaction, what people are out there. Because you are the walking image of God. Let me say this in, in, in closing. Um, one of the things, and I've talked to my wife about it for so many times, is that I cannot stand people in the world I cannot stand them in the world and they don't that, that, that place of being stuck you know I don't like to see people stuck I don't I like to see when you're walking in and doing kingdom building and people are getting equipped and either you're a consumer or you're a builder there's only two types of people you've heard me say it before you either build the kingdom of God or you consumer and you consume what you want in this world. But I'm going to build again. And I cannot stand it when I meet people that I haven't met. Say, in a lot of them I see at community church. And not just community, but just different churches all over the place. And they're still stuck in the same place that they were 20 years ago. I can, it drives me nuts. It drives me crazy. Say, like, why are you stuck? If you are the image of God and you are in His likeness and you're supposed to be walking in the authority in which God has got you walking in and you're supposed to be walking in your significance of who you are, why are you still stuck the way you were 20 years? I don't, I don't mean that we're not supposed to pray for them, but I know that we have to understand that there's something significant that happened in their life that has caused them to be stuck. And I can't stand it because I want the kingdom of God to progress. I want it to move forward. I want it to be line upon line, precept upon precept. I want to see it grow and prosper. And when I see somebody that's been going to, to church 30, 40 years, and they're still stuck like they were 20 years ago, and they've never gone any farther in their walk, I've got to ask, what, it is, what is it 
They don't know that they're in the image of God. They don't know that they have that authority. They don't know that they're significant. And so they stay stuck and they say, well, I'll just go to church and go home. I'll go to church and go home. It's more than going to church and going home. It's more than just listening to somebody say something. It's, it's more, we do this here so we can commune with one another, so we can be, collaborate with one another. We can do this, not it's only to hear a message about we're in the image of God, but it's also so that we can be with one another, so we can build upon one another. You know, most of your building comes from, from uh, just visiting. You know, that's why when we're here on Sunday, we don't want to leave. Because we like being around each other. We like talking to one another. Because the spirit of the living God lives in us. Because we know who we are. We are in the image of God. So we need to walk in it. Thank you for listening to the Restoration Church Podcast. If you would like to watch our message live or looking for more information about our church, visit us. Follow us on Facebook, Restoration Church.